0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. What an awesome morning already, amen? How many of you you are thankful that we don't even have to wait for me to talk for God to move? Amen? Like that God is already moving, he's moving through our worship, that we begin our service by really singing uh, the gospel and the things that we know to be true from the word of God. So I'm so thankful for that. I've uh, been praying for you this morning. I, I want to pray as we begin. You know, my daughter, she, uh, she's a big Daniel Tiger fan. I got any DT fans up in the house? Yes. Um, uh, and there's a song that he sings in this thing, Enjoy the Wow That's Happening Now. And I sing that to myself sometimes because I get really far ahead of what's happening now, and I have to tell myself, enjoy the wow that's happening in this moment. And uh, so I just want to pray, if you've been in that space kind of coming in here and being of the mind of there's so many things and so many things drawing and pulling your attention, I just want to pray for you as we begin because I really believe the Lord wants to encourage you today and encourage you from Scripture. And uh, I, I just think sometimes we got to pray, Lord, you just focus my heart a little bit this morning. So I just invite you, bow your heads with me. If you're joining online, just bow your heads with me, and uh, let, let's pray together. God, I thank you this morning for the Word of God. I thank you that it is alive and active. I thank you that it speaks. I thank you that it encourages, that it engages, that it convicts, that it guides. I pray this morning that we would just enjoy what you are telling us right now in this space, so we commit our hearts and our minds to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank our worship team this morning? Awesome. Awesome job, guys. Honestly. Uh, We're in our, man, our our series in 1 John called Real Love for Real Life. Excited that you're here today. Uh, Really, really blessed at the opportunity to share with you and continue what God's doing, continue what He's speaking. I, I really feel through this book. And there's so much here, but It's really been uh, powerful for this season, and even my my wife and I were, you know, kind of going through and guiding the church. It's been really powerful for us. But, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are in this stage, but lately I've really been praying for wisdom and direction. Uh, I've been praying a lot, you know, uh, um, as we approach the school year. I've been praying a lot, what does that mean for our kid? And you know they they put all these videos, and uh, my heart just kind of goes out to the administrators and the teachers. If you're a teacher, my heart goes out to you because it's like no one knows, and everyone's just kind of waiting, and you know, a, a long time. And so we're trying to constantly ask for wisdom in all things. Show us wisdom. Show us truth. How do I know if I'm making the right decision? How do I know uh, what is true? Right. We're in a big season of really having to clarify what is truth in the world that we live in. I think that's so important. Uh, and and so we. Kind of wrestle a lot in the decisions that we make. I don't know if you ever ma- had this, it's like as I begin to search for understanding, as I begin to ask questions, long for the right direction, I find myself sometimes, or we can find ourselves in that space of asking, is this God speaking to me or is this just me speaking to me? Right? Like, God, show me what to do, show me the right answer. And then you like go to bed and you're like, man, is this God giving me a vision or is this just some pizza that I ate that was a little too old that's speaking to my stomach right now and it's messing with my dreams, right? Yeah, good. Not just me. Thank you. Thank you. All the other unspiritual people here, Um, (laughs) right? Is it like we feel like, God, how do I know if it's you guiding me? How do I know what's true, what's right, what's the right direction? I think that's just so important. But what's amazing is that God has already given you a tool to walk in wisdom and defend against deception, and it's a word I'm going to tell you. You ready? Okay. Anointing. Everyone say anointing. Okay, come on. Come on, say it, like, say it like you just heard something interesting. Anointing. Anointing. Okay, anointing is one of those words that if you've been around church for, I don't know, a service, you probably heard used. But the question is, like, what does it mean? Right, you might have heard, like, oh, that was so anointed, or the anointing was so heavy, or, I don't know, depending on, if you like, a really spiritual aunt. She'd be like, this song is so anointed. But what does it mean? Because I— we have all these, like, Christianese words, right? I, have you heard of Christianese? I'm bilingual. I speak English, and sometimes I accidentally speak Christianese. It's all these, like, phrases that we say in the church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate right now. My, my wife speaks English and Spanish. I speak English and Christianese so far. Hasn't landed me a job being bilingual, but we'll get there. Um, but I'm going to translate some phrases. Okay, you ready? Here's some phrases. I'll give you the translation. Phrase one, if it's God's will. That, that's the Christianese. Let me give you in English. I'm not sure if God's going to answer this prayer, but I don't want you to get mad at me if He doesn't. Okay, let me give you another one. That's not my spiritual gift. Find someone else. <laughs> that's your translation. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I have no idea what's going on currently. <laughs> How about this? Lord willing. Let me give you the translation of Lord willing. If someone tells you, are you going to be there? Lord willing. Let me tell you what it means. that means in English. You might think I'll be there, but I won't. <laughs> I don't feel led. Okay, what does that mean? Let me translate that for you. It's a, it's a multi-part translation here. It goes to the Greek. It says, you can't make me. God led me to do something else. That's that translation. I slept in instead of going to church. Right, I'll be praying for you. That's that's when you hear. It. I'll be praying for you. That's, that's a good Christian. I'll be praying for you. There's an outside chance I'm going to remember this conversation later. There's, okay, we're just having fun. Y'all are way more serious than the 9 o'clock. The 9 o'clock got it. 11.45 was like, I'm afraid if I laugh, Jesus won't love me. <laughs> Don't worry. He made platypus. He knows what humor is. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go to some phrases. Hedge of protection heard the phrase hedge of protection? Lord, have you been praying and like, maybe you went to church for the first time, you're online, you went to church one time, some very sweet person came over and you're like, Lord, put a hedge of protection around them. You're like, hedge? A hedge of protection? Not like a tower? Not like stone? A hedge? What is this like, plant-based Holy Spirit? What's going on? Okay, we're just really into the earth. Put a hedge. Okay, <laughs> let me get this translation. It, when they say hedge of protection, what they're really saying is like, God put your supernatural power. So this idea of hedge, we're not like uh, French uh, resistance fighters in World War II, holding our row in the, you know, in the, in the hedge row, fighting the oncoming, you know, Reich. It's, uh, it's understanding of a protective force that would be put around to make something safe and secure. Okay, uh, how about quiet time? Maybe you went to church, and, or maybe you went to, like, a youth group, and you heard someone say, like, yeah, I, just, I had my quiet time this morning. And you're like, Qu- quiet time? Like, time out? And I give Henry quiet time all the time. <laughs> Lucy loves quiet time, and I love it for her. <laughs> no, quiet time isn't a, isn't a spiritual time out. Uh, it, it's saying, they might be saying, I'm having personal time with God. All right, let me, let me keep tra- translating for you. You ready? I'm going to translate, you know, so, you, you know, if you're in that space and you hear these words. Ha- has anyone ever heard the phrase traveling mercies? I had never heard this till I moved here. And I got around, like, more, um, like, long-standing religious people. And they would say, Lord, send him traveling mercies. I still don't know what it means, if I'm going to be honest. That doesn't translate into English. Uh, I believe it says, like, have a safe trip, but I don't know what it means. All of these are jokes. Calm down. Don't send me angry emails. How about backsliding? Have you heard backsliding? Like, I'm just, yeah, he's backsliding. That's not like a really dope X game. Uh, backsliding is like, oh, he's falling back into old sin. Okay, you still with me, Christianese? All right, let's get you a master's in Christianese today then. All right, here we go. Laying hands on. Okay, in a COVID world, this probably sounds aggressive and dangerous, Uh, to some of you who might be a health risk and you're watching online, you're like, see, that's why I didn't come to church, because I was afraid you can lay hands on me. It sounds like you're going to get your hands on somebody, right? Uh, But it's it's not as aggressive as it sounds. It comes from James. It's biblical. It means to come around and pray for. So the laying hands on was symbolic, the anointing and the unity in the spirit and praying for one another. All we're we're talking master's level. Here we go. Born again. You're born again. You're like, that sounds a little hippie. Born again. New birth. It's a little weird, right? Like fake womb. What are we doing? No, born again, biblical term again, comes from you've had a physical birth through your mother, but now there's a spiritual birth that you're made new through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have a new birth. You're born again. Everyone still with me? Good. Okay, how about lost? If you're new to church, they're like, man, and you hear like, yeah, the world is lost. You're like, lost? That's kind of (laughs) mean-spirited, right? Like, I know where I am. I have GPS. I know where I'm going. I have like a five-year plan. I'm not lost. When we say lost, or when you hear a Christian say lost, or in the Bible say lost, it means those that are separated because of sin from the beautiful relationship of Jesus Christ. So it's lost. Not in the light of Christ, but in the darkness of sin. And that's where we also say saved. If you're saved, it doesn't mean like uh, I'm on pause, that like a video game, we've saved it. It means that I am rescued, right? I am rescued released and redeemed from the scourge of sin. Repentance. Have you heard repentance before? The word repentance. Some of you that are watching online are like, man, that's one of these churches. It's like, yeah, we we are because repentance actually isn't a dirty word. It's not uh, as fire and brimstone as you might believe. It's actually a beautiful word. Repentance means changing one's mind or purpose. Now you're in master level Christianese. Repentance is like the best word. It means to change one's mind or purpose. It's a freeing word. It's a releasing word. So if you hear someone say that we value repentance, you know, f- and seeking the forgiveness of our sins and laying down and receiving a renewal of our mind, that's actually a really good thing. We want that. Okay, last one. Anointing. 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 What is anointing? You might have heard like, "There's oh man, they're so anointed. Oh man, that, that worship song, so anointed. That prayer, so anointed. If you've been around, and you might have been like, yeah, oh, yeah, Yeah, so anointed. But in your brain, you're like, man, I hope nobody asked me what that means. (laughs) Like, I'd be really bad at defining that. You ever been in that space? Like, especially if you've been in church for a while, like, you feel like there's a threshold where you should know certain words, but no one ever taught you. So now if you admit it, it's like, oh, man, you're like entry-level words. Man, we're in master-level words. Like, you led a small group, right? So we don't, we're afraid to ask. So I want to teach you today what is anointing. And what does the Bible, most importantly, what does the Bible say it is? That's what I want to teach you. And what does it mean for your life? Can we do that together? Amen. All right, so let's open up our Bibles together. We're going to talk about anointing today. Uh, If you brought your Bible, go to 1 John 2, 18 through 27. If you didn't, there's still time to download the Bible app. And if you don't want to download the Bible app, don't worry. There's words on the screen. If you're online, there's a Bible tab. You can click right there on the side if you're watching on our digital platform. Or, I don't know, Google Bible (laughs) It'll get you there. Uh, But we're going to read together in 1 John 2, verse 18. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. Remember John, he's older. He's not quite the same like luchador, uh, wrestling sons of thunder. But he's a lot more gentle now. He's kind. He's addressing it as his children. Saying, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, and so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it's the last hour. Now, I'm going to explain Antichrist in a second. So, if you're here or online and you're going to click off or check out, don't come explain that. It says, They went out from us. Amen, children. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the holy one and you all have knowledge i write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because no lies of the truth who is the liar but he who denies that jesus is the christ this is the antichrist he who denies the father and the son no one who denies the son has the father whoever confesses the son has the father also But as his anointing teaches you about everything, it is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. Everyone take a nice sigh. You made it. (sighs) Big breath. Good. You did it. Okay, lots of stuff in this scripture. Uh, Lots of things happening. Uh, Lots of terms mentioned that are kind of like running through a hallway, kicking over spiritual cans of worms. Antichrist, anointing of the Holy Spirit, abiding, and no one needs to teach you. These are like top four things. Someone gets saved, goes on YouTube, finds weird version, and then calls me up and fights with me about them. So I'm going to cover all of them because it's Sunday. <laughs> and It's my job. <laughs> No, I'm going to cover him because John does such a beautiful job orchestrating. And what you'll notice in the book of John, or er, in 1 John, is he's very circular, and kind of he always loops back, and he's pulling everything in. So he states something. He draws in the evidence and the understanding. He builds the basis. He makes another claim. He pulls it back in. He's, he's very, very, very talented as a writer because of the Holy Spirit. So he's doing a couple things. First, he says, the Antichrist is coming. And immediately you're like, "Woo, One of those churches— But this is important because John is very specifically talking about false teachers. He said, There's these false teachers that went out from us, but they weren't of us, meaning they kind of played us. They said, Yeah, we're one of you. It turns out they weren't really from us. And Paul says, or sorry, John is saying, uh, They're spreading these lies that Jesus isn't the Christ, which is probably one of the biggest lies you could spread, right? Because, like, it's in the name, Christian. if you don't have that foundation, Jesus is the Christ, then all of this is worthless. Paul says, like, there's literally no point if Jesus is not the Christ. So they're, they're preaching a very strong heresy against Christ. And there's a lot of speculation why. We don't know uh, in this unique situation exactly why they were going—well, we know why, because, you know, humans are sinful and we do broken things— but we don't know literally why, because in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, there's not like an explicit purpose. Like, they did this because John said some mean things on Facebook, and now they're getting back at them. That's not what they're saying. We don't know. So we know based off context and a little bit based off of what has been done and what continued to be done in that church. Does that make sense? So the contextual understanding for why they were preaching this is because as Jewish people, temple was so intimately linked into their identity, going to temple, being a part of temple. But the difficult thing about going to temple is if you in turn come and preach, hey, this guy, Jesus, fulfilled all of the prophecy, they're not going to be like, man, that's so awesome for you. Let's just coexist in this space together. They're going to go, get out, you're a heretic, right? They, they kicked them out of the temple. So there was this tendency to lower their theology to meet their culture. I know, we, we don't deal with this at all, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> just them. There was a tendency to say less things about the truth of the gospel of Christ because it was inconvenient to their daily life and to their daily comfort. It was like, man, it's so hard to actually be, like, no, they weren't being mean. They weren't being over They were just saying, if you say Jesus is the Christ, you can't come in. They're like, well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Ha, 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 ha. They're like, all right, fine, you can come in. They're like, this is nice, I'm in, right? And so they were lowering their theology to meet the comforts of their culture. And so what he's saying, and this is so important, I used to walk around uh, University of Washington uh, when I went to when I got my undergrad there. And there was always these like posters, different groups would bring in. I never remember who was what. And they would have like some person's face on it. Uh, some like usually it was like a president or a figure. And I don't know, whoever it could have been, it could have been Bush or Obama at the time. Um, and they'd have like they'd always have a Hitler stash and then underneath it was always said antichrist. Like under the bottom of it. You guys know these people I'm talking about, right? Cool, just me. I just apparently they only do this in Seattle. Great. All alone up here. Good. Um, and what's funny to me about the antichrist is when we look in scripture, there is the antichrist, those that come from the outside who are against Christ. But constantly in scripture, this antichrist meaning those who are anti who Christ is. That just simplifies the idea they're not these like external political figures right they're not coming from the outside they're church people who sow division in the church on purpose to hurt the church i think there's a lot more church people claiming others who are antichrist who are kind of just really themselves and would be shocked if they came down the road and john was like look the antichrist is coming and they're like what looking for the mustache nothing because the Antichrist is an internal division. They're saying, you know Christ, but you're choosing. You're choosing to sow division. Are you with me? Choosing to sow division. You're choosing to hurt others. I know we love to designate outside, but often the biggest hurt to the church is the division that is sown within the church. Let's stop hurting each other. Amen? Let's be kind to each other. So he says, here's his response to these anti. Christo, Antichrist figures. Verse 20, he says, But you, oh, awesome church, have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Let's talk about that. You have been anointed. So what is anointing? Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of biblical history. Are you okay with that, biblical history here? Good, eight of you, dope. Okay, Good, 20 of you, we're better. Uh, Biblical history here. Uh, Anointing in the Old Testament was specifically uh, done for the purpose of consecration or the setting aside of an individual or an object for a particular sacred purpose. So in the Old Testament, they would anoint with oil. Sometimes we still do this as a symbolic thing. You might see anointing. Sometimes in prayer we'll anoint with oil, but this is a, a long-standing practice that was consecration, a setting apart. Exodus 29 7 says, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his, meaning Aaron, the priest at the time, head, and anoint him. So anointing starts as this consecration. Anointing later came to signify that the Spirit of God has come to dwell within an individual so that he, they can either rule or prophesy for God. So like one of the best examples of this would be King David. Uh, king David, uh, most famous king of Israel, probably in Solomon, but David, most famous king of Israel, uh, wrote most of the Psalms, a lot of the Old Testament. Just flip it open, you'll probably find him. Very important. Go to, you know, 2 Samuel, all these things. But it says this, 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, meaning David, in the midst of his brothers. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is kind of this signifying the Spirit of God coming upon someone. That, that, was, the sound, that was the anointing. Isaiah 61, 1, really important scripture. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you write that down. If you're online, type it into your notes. Uh, Isaiah 61, 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound so this is what the anointing meant in the time it was this, this very specific purpose to rule or to prophesy but what's amazing is when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts his ministry, he walks into uh, the temple and the synagogue, the gathering. Sorry, he walks into the gathering. And he, uh, everybody in a typical synagogue gathering would take turns getting up and reading from the law. And he gets up and he reads at Isaiah 61, The Lord has anointed me to bring good news. He, he declares that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And once he's done reading that, he closes up the scroll and just kind of is like, today it's fulfilled before you. And people are like, what? He's saying, I am fulfilling what has been prophesied, what was setting apart to rule and to prophesy an anointing of the Spirit of God is now here among you. How do we know that? Matthew three sixteen says, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Acts 10 assures us of this. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Okay, so the anointing starts as... A consecration, oil poured over the head to show this is set apart for God. The anointing then becomes to symbolize, not only they it's set apart, but within being set apart, that the Spirit of God is upon them to rule, to prophesy. But then it comes where the Spirit of God begins to reign over Jesus Christ, where He is prophesying, He's coming as a sacrifice to die for our sin, that He defeats sin on the cross, and that He defeats death in the resurrection. And he rises again and he invites us into the victory. And here's what is amazing. Acts 1 8. Jesus says to us, to you, to me, but you will receive power. Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. This is what's amazing. This is a transition, consecration, to be set apart, to be ready for purpose with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, in the resurrection, invites us in and then looks at us and says, I am going to anoint you as I have been anointed as God anoints. To be anointed, here's what it means is to be filled with the Holy Spirit by the power of Jesus Christ. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit, and John says, by the Holy One. What does that mean? That's Jesus Christ. We are anointed by Jesus Christ. But this is what makes this so amazing. And I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this down. This is so important. Every believer has been anointed. Man, write that down. Every believer has been anointed. Every single one of you who believes in Jesus Christ is anointed. 1 John 20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. See, I might be messing with something that you think about the anointing, and I'm glad that you're here today so I can mess with your understanding of anointing. Because if we could tear down that falsehood, you would stand in the truth and see how God has given you immense power and possibility and purpose in your life. So we're going to kind of like tear down, build it back up here for a second. You have been anointed, not just a select few. It says everyone. You all have knowledge. And what I love there is the word anointed he uses, the word for anointed, is this word chrisma, C-H-R-I-S-M-A. It is only used two times in the whole New Testament. In verse 20 of 1 John, and in verse 27 of 1 John. Whole New Testament. That's kind of interesting. Why? Because the cognate anoint, anointing, anointed, it's used in multiple forms. But he's saying something so specific here. He's saying there are people who are rising against Christo, meaning Christ. But you have been given the chrisma by Christo. That's what he's saying. The chrisma, this anointing, is the Holy Spirit. It's not an anointing with the Holy Spirit. The medium with which he anoints, as if it were in the bottle pouring over your head, that is the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? It's not that you're just like anointed in a general sense, like you have a man, you have a nice presence. It's like you are literally filled, covered, anointed by the Holy Spirit. So important. Saying it's not like the old days where we're pouring oil and consecration. It's it's now a fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. You have received, even though these people are coming against Christ, they are anti-Christo, you have been given the Chrisma by Cristo. So important. Because what he's not saying is almost as important as what he's saying. He's not saying that you have been given the charisma by Christo. He says the charisma. He's not saying charisma. And so often in the church, we can think that anointing is linked to charisma. Like the more charismatic you are, the more anointed you'd be like, wow, man, he, you know, you follow a preacher online, you're like, wow, man, they can speak so good. They're so anointed. I can't, I I don't have that. Like, I can't go out and just pray for somebody in the street. Like, I, I don't have that kind of anointing. They're so anointed. They're just they're just out there. They're so, so anointed. And I think so often we think that it is the charismatic who have received the chrisma, who have received the Holy Spirit and the anointing. But that's not true. Scripture tells us all people. And I think so often, kind of for a couple reasons, we like to set aside the anointing and say that's for other people. One is for elitism. Certain people like the idea that they're special because they're more charismatic. Therefore, they think they're more anointed. But can I tell you, if you live in the gifts, but you don't eat of the fruit, you're going to starve to death in the spirit. They're not, they're not, that might be your personality, but if your character is not of God, it doesn't matter how charismatic you are. There's been a lot of terrible people in history who are charismatic. Now, part of your gifting might be charisma. Amen, use it. But just because you're not naturally charismatic in the sense does not mean that you're not gifted. The other reason is avoidance. See, elitism we, we do to make people feel better about what they can do. Avoidance is to make people feel better about what they are afraid or unwilling to do. Because what would it mean if the entire church, regardless, was anointed? What would a life committed to Jesus Christ, the freedom and the power and the fullness, what would that require of your schedule and your timeline and your life and your commitment and your discomfort and your comfort, your joy and your suffering, what would it really require if you were anointed? You know what? I think that's just for people who went to Bible school. What's so cool is that though you might say, oh, that person's so anointed. How can I be anointed like that? are so anointed. So often we don't know what that means, because the anointing is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with all believers. Did you know that the Holy Spirit that dwells with you is the same Holy Spirit that dwelled with Peter and dwells with Billy Graham? And though you might have different gifts, it's not like Billy Graham got like, Coke, got like a Holy Spirit classic, and you got like diet Holy Spirit. You got, like, a lesser Holy Spirit? It's like, yeah, but, like, have you seen me? Did you know me in high school? Like, I'm definitely not getting, like, Billy Graham's level. It's the same Spirit. He doesn't have, like, a diet version. There's not, like, levels of heaven. There's not levels of the Spirit. There's one Spirit. That means there's one anointing. That means, though, it might manifest differently in your life, in your character, in who you are and who God created you to be. There's one, one Spirit. So you can look at Peter and be like, oh, my gosh, she's so anointed. Thank you, Jesus. I have the same anointing, different gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. Is that making sense? I want to make sure it's making sense. Because often we attach anointing. When I say anointing, we immediately think gifts. Anointing is not gifts. Gifts are gifts. Anointing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through gifts. They're His. They're the gifts of the Spirit, not my gifts that I give Him access to when I feel like it. Right? They're the gifts of the Spirit, but it's all one Spirit. I love that. Can I tell you? That brings me so much joy. When when I began as a preacher, I, I would sometimes look at uh, pastors that grew up with pastor like parents, and I have a, I love my parents. They're they're amazing. Honestly, my parents led me in the Word of God, and uh, just amazing parents. But I look at people, and they would like have this like pedigree when they'd walk into a room, they just like have this like background and they walk into a room and people like, Oh yeah, that's so and so I'm like, man, I, I don't have that. I don't I can't stand on the shoulders of anyone like that to step into that that anointing. And what I realized is in my life is that n- my my pedigree, my degree, my background, even my biases, uh, my build, my shape, my design—how God created me—like none of that defines the anointing. The Holy Spirit defines the anointing, and so every person you have the same anointing. You're sitting next to somebody. In fact, turn to someone next to you and look at them and say, "You're anointed." Oh, come on. You did not believe a freaking word of that. Turn to someone next to you. If you're online, look at your cat and just pretend that he's saying it to you in your spirit. Look in the mirror. Go into the bathroom right now. Leave your couch. Go into the bathroom. Look in the mirror. Look at your neighbor like you mean it so they can hear you. They don't think, they think you're alive. We do have church here this morning. Look at the mirror or your neighbor and say, you are anointed. There we go. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You are anointed every believer has been given the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing about that is since every believer has been given the Holy Spirit, then for every believer, the anointing is an assurance of your salvation in eternity. Oh man, I always gotta make, a, make sure I say words right. Assurance. Make sure you hit that word. The anointing is not your salvation. The anointing is an assurance of your salvation. Here's two verses. 1 John 2, 24. This is what we're in right now. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise He made to us, eternal life. 1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing you receive from Him abides in you. How do you know without a doubt that you have salvation? The anointing. The anointing. The anointing is our assurance. How is the anointing an assurance? Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit has anointed our life. The Holy Spirit that is the anointing of our life, He is the testimony to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The testimony to your salvation is not how many small groups you go to. The testimony of your salvation is not how long you go before saying a swear. Like, it's like the most ludicrous stuff that we pick right? It's not like, oh, I was nice to my children for six days this week, but the seventh day I blew it, so who knows if I get to heaven in the end, right? Come on, some of you, you've thought that. Like, man, you read some of those verses, you're like, this is scaring me super hard, because I guess I don't know. The Holy Spirit, the anointing is the assurance of your salvation, says, you are a child of God, not because of anything you've done, but because what Christ has done, and therefore what Christ has given you. It is for all people, and therefore it is an assurance for all believers. So when someone comes against you and calls you this, says this about you, declares this about your identity, speaks this over you, brings up your past, the enemy whispers into your mind, trying to awaken things and say things and speak evil against you, you're like, no, 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 no. You, you, don't have, you can't trick me of anything. Because I know Jesus, and I know what he's given me. I don't care what the enemy thinks about my qualifications for the work of God. I care what the Holy Spirit speaks into me, because he is my qualifier. He is my assurance. He is my guide. He is with me. So the enemy says, like, you can't be qualified. Do you have any idea how broken you've been in your past? And I'm like, man, shut up. I have the assurance of the Holy Spirit who is with me and who guides me. The anointing is the assurance. What's amazing is the anointing is not just some chosen tag in the future. Like, you're anointed, therefore put on these robes and stand in the back of culture and hope that it passes you by unscathed and then eventually you'll merge into heaven, right? It's not a chosen tag for the future. The Holy Spirit dwells with you today for today. G- when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, he could have called him anything, but I love what he called him. Let's read, it says this. John 14:16 says, "And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper." Now your scripture might say an advocate uh, or if you're in the NIV it might say a counselor. It's all the same word. Uh, other languages sometimes do better wrapping up other words. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, counselor, advocate to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I love that. He's an advocate. I love when you, like, tell somebody your dreams. They're like, well, I'm just going to be the devil's advocate here. I'm like, you know what? He's good. <laughs> like, he, te- he's en- he spends enough time advocating for his side. We need an advocate of the Holy Spirit. I, wanna, I don't want to know what the enemy has to say about my dream. I want to know what the Holy Spirit has to say about my dream. Like, why don't you be the Holy Spirit's advocate, or just be a better friend, right? <laughs> like, we don't need more devil's advocates in the church. We need Holy Spirit advocates. Why do we need Holy Spirit advocates? Because in the world, we need to know how to defend against deception and walk in wisdom. How do we do that? Well, it's this awesome kind of combination. We let the anointing of the Holy Spirit abide in us, and then we abide in the Word. I told Katie, "It's like I just want to get up and do like a two-minute message, which is like be led by the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Read His Word. It'd be so simple. We gotta like fluff it up a little bit, but I'm gonna give you that right here. Ready? First John two twenty four. Let's go back to it. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. First John two twenty seven. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. But He says something here, and you have no need that anyone should teach you." Oh, my goodness. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, John, bro, could you have explained that a little more? That would have saved me some meetings. I can't tell you how many people find Christ, get on YouTube, and think they found, like, Jesus Christ on YouTube. And then they find this person, like, well, no one needs to teach me. The Bible says no one needs to teach me. Like, oh, man, that's some rough theology. Because what John is saying here, very importantly, is he's saying... You do not need a revelation beyond the gospel that already exists. He's saying, these these people were coming, they were saying, I have another revelation that goes beyond scripture. God's shown something to me that doesn't come from the gospel. Like, he's shown something to me extra that is not confirmed in what's being taught. And John was like, that's not right. Does that make sense? Okay. But he says those two things, that what you heard from the beginning, abide, And he says, the anointing abides in you. There's two parts here. Um, The anointing abides in you. This is important. The anointing enables you to know the truth. The anointing you receive abides in you. That means the Holy Spirit dwells with you. And when the Holy Spirit dwells with you, he guides you and he will guide your life. But most importantly, he guides you in truth. The Holy Spirit cannot lie. Therefore, if the Holy Spirit is guiding you, He guides you in truth. In fact, we we say like, well, if it's the will of the Lord, it's the will. How do you know if it's the will of the Lord? Well, no one knows the heart and the mind except for the Spirit. So the Spirit of God knows the heart and mind of God. So the Spirit of God, as you're trying to look and decide and yearn for your future and be directed, knows the heart and mind of God. The anointing enables to us to know the truth. Write that down. First Corinthians two eleven says this, For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. Verse 13 says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but himself. Uh, but it's himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's important. The Holy Spirit is truth and leads us in truth and can always be trusted. But let me ask you a question. How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Right? Like, have you ever prayed a prayer, like, gets down on your knees, and you pray a prayer, and you're like, Lord, would you tell me if I'm supposed to do this? And then you're like, you feel like it's like, oh yeah, do it. You're like, okay, was that you? Or was that just me really wanting to do it? Right? You're like, okay, Lord, show me. Show me the way. And then something happens, you're like, God, is that you? Or is that me just really wanting or not wanting this? Right? Like, God, what, what is this? Like, I know you guide in truth, but how do I know what's true? It's that second part, this, the, the other part of the verse that says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Well, what did they hear from the beginning? The gospel. In the beginning was the word. The Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And He came to the earth, and He died for our sins and rose again. The gospel, the truth. We have the Word of God right here. This is it right here. You get them on Amazon. It's Like $18. How amazing is that? Ship it right to your door. The Word of God. Because not only the anointing enables us to know the truth, the Word enables us to test the Spirit. They live together. The anointing enables us to know the truth. The Word enables us to test the Spirit. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. John is speaking against people who are preaching a gospel Or preaching revelations that were not gospel. And I think there is immense danger in preaching what is not gospel. We see that all throughout history. And I say this not to offend you if you come in from this place, but to say that they are not gospel. And though they might pretend they're not gospel according to the gospel. Like, for example... Uh, Muhammad, extra prophecy beyond for Islam. Charles Russell, extra prophecy beyond for Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. Joseph Smith for the Mormons. Mary Barker Eddy for Scientology. Jim Jones for the People's Temple. Sun Moon, basically all throughout Korea, right? People who have come and said, there's another revelation for me. I got it from an angel. I put it on the stone tablets. You can't see the tablets because they dissolved. But it's not in here. It's extra. I have it, and now I should, I don't know, do this, 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 and this. It's extra. John is saying, no, that, that's problematic. Prophecy does not supersede Scripture. It's confirmed by it, right? So I'm not anti-prophecy. I'm, I guess I'm anti-heresy, if you're going to put it in a way. See, the Holy Spirit can speak the truth of the gospel into our heart. Amen. Pray for that phone that fell on the ground. May it not be broken in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit can speak the truth of the gospel into our hearts as we read the word, but he will never create a new gospel hear someone say, like, God has revealed to me, given me a new gospel. You should run. You should delete that YouTube channel, kick your computer into the ocean, and you should bounce, because that is wrong. (laughs) Wrong. But I would say most of us might never stand up to direct cults. You might never be in a situation, wake up out in the compound and be like, gosh, there's a lot of jumpsuits out here. Someone's like, hey, hey, Craig, come help me with the Kool-Aid. You're like, I've gone too far. You might never be in that situation in your life. The worst might be like a YouTube preacher that you trust because they're kind of intense and they say the things you like. It turns out things they're saying really aren't Scripture. But most of us will face this. We will ask the question in our life, is this the anointing speaking in or is this advertising? Is this culture speaking to my life or is this comfort? That's the question we're going to have to ask. Is this culture or is this comfort? Or is this Christ? Is this comfort or is this Christ? Both. Is this culture or is this Christ? I've had that discussion. People say, I know the Bible says that, but I don't think Jesus would say this. I'm like, well, we can look and find out. Because the Bible is so clear. There's a simple test. How do you know when you face the difficult things in life? Anyone face some things in life where you're like, God, I need you to speak to me. And then you're listening and you're like, how do I know if that was you? Scripture tells us, test it, test it, test it. Tested against the word. Every guidance, every direction, every understanding, every word it should come from scripture. We're not biblical deists. We don't worship this book, but we worship the God who divinely spoke this book. And we know that it is living, it is active, it is good, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Sometimes it comes in and it convicts, it separates and divides between bone and marrow. It separates, it shows the truth. Sometimes that feels amazing. Sometimes I can hurt, depending on where we are in our life. We've all a lot of you have been there if you've been believers for any period of time. But the reality is that we have a confidence because we can test it. How many of you today, you don't have to raise your hands for this, you don't have to comment online, but how many of you today are looking for direction in your life and you need God to speak to you? That God, I need you to speak to me. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Band, you can come up. Is this your will? Is this your way? Where are you leading? What job? What actions? What response? How should I respond to this, Lord? God, how how can I interact in my family right now, God? God, what am I going to do about these health issues? God, where are you leading me? God, where are you calling me? God, I I need some direction in relationships in my life. I feel lost. I feel lonely. I feel frustrated. God, I feel purposeless. God, where are you? God, I thought you called me here, but now I'm not sure. God, I need you. God, speak to me. How many of you are living in that space? God, I need you to show up in my life. How do you know if it's Him? How do you know if it's God? Holy Spirit, lead me. Well, how does the Holy Spirit lead? I don't know. Let's look together. Actually, I do know. (laughs) Because it's here. It's right here. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak into my life. How do you know if he's speaking or not? Because it's right here. God, is this your character that you're calling me? Are you calling out character stuff in me? How do I know? Well, the character of God is written right here. The attitude, the heart, the mind of Christ is right here in Scripture. So what's amazing is I live this beautiful thing. Could you imagine if we only had one? Like he could have just given us the Holy Spirit. That still would have been pretty dope. But he gives us the word of God. And he says, listen. The Holy Spirit will lead you, gift you, guide you, work through you. The Word of God will give you confidence and direction and clarity. That is like the most beautiful uh, theological marriage I think that exists, one of them. It's like us as the bride of Christ in Christ. The other one is the Word and the Spirit living and working together. If you've been given a Word of God, a direction, test it, see if it's true. If you're not sure if the Lord's speaking to you, look and see how he speaks. And it's this amazing process. In a world of, uncla- of um, a lack of clarity, in a world that's fighting for what is true, in a really aimless season for so many people, I find that we're just walking through this saying, God, I need you to speak to me. Can I tell you the rest for your soul is going to be found in the balance of your anointing, confirmed in the word of God. And I love that we say that. It's not Holy Spirit, answer me. It's Holy Spirit, lead me. I think that's important. Because leading is different than just answering. A good leader teaches through doing, which means you have to start without knowing. He's going to lead you. And this is why it's so important that we do not think that the anointing is for just a certain people. It's like I can look around and see all of you guys in your different seasons of life and those of you that I know really well in different seasons. And if I could just like speak something in your life, it would be, man, walk out the anointing. Because the question that we always ask is, am I anointed? Am I anointed? Have I received the anointing? Can we just change that question today? We're going to change that at Banner Church. Can I tell you, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you follow and pursue Him, you have been walking in that and the baptism of Jesus Christ and the fullness of a relationship, let me tell you, you are anointed. The question is, are you ready to walk in the anointing? Are you ready to live a life that is only explainable by the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to live a life that's led by Him? Are you really willing to let go control of all these other things you try to grab onto? Are you willing to let go of pride? Are you willing to let go of, of this false God of self. Are you willing to let go and walk in the anointing? Because I tell you, if you do, you will live a life that is radically transformed. I woke up today, and I was just like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you are walking with me, that so much is unclear, and yet what is constantly clear is the residing and abiding of the Holy Spirit in my life. Can I tell you, I do not know what happens next month, but I will tell you, I will not enter it powerless, because though I cannot, I know that God can can, and I know that God will. I know the anointing will. So no matter what we face, and no matter what comes up next, I know that the anointing of God, the anointing of God will guide me, and direct me, and lead me, and work through me. It's the reason that we see healings. It's the reason that we see life transformation. It's the reason that we see addiction broken off, and often when I tell those stories, people go like, man, that's so awesome for you. No, it's awesome for you. Every single person in this room, If you believe in Jesus Christ, you've been anointed today, and the only thing holding you back from walking in the anointing is you. And so today, if you say, Holy Spirit, lead me, and you say, you know what, I'm going to dive into the Word of God. I'm going to love it. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to read it, most importantly. I'm going to commit my heart to it. I guarantee you, you will live in this beautiful, balance." abiding in His Word, and the Word abiding in you. Would you stand with me this morning? You probably can't hear it online, but these kids are losing it downstairs. (laughs) They're losing it. That sounds like my daughter. (laughs) I want to pray two things for you this morning. Mm -hmm. First thing is if you've never you're like, I, I've never even received Jesus Christ. I've never begun that relationship. I've never said yes to him. I, I, I've never started that process. I've, I've never walked in the miracle that is Jesus Christ, the joy of salvation. I've always sat on the outside of it, judging it from the outside. I've never stepped in. I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never begun that relationship. Then can I tell you, just today's your day. People have been praying for you. They've been ready for you. People have been saying, man, I pray that you'd make that life-changing decision, and now's your moment. You don't have to wait. And the amazing thing is, as you give your life to Christ, you say, I choose to follow you, you walk in that anointing as well. It's not like, well, you got to give your life to Jesus and then do discover, which you still should do anyways, but do discover and then lead a small group. And once you've led a small group, then you're anointed. It's like, no, today you walk out anointed for the most high God, living in the guidance of freedom that comes from him. So I just want to say, man, why why wait? Why wait? Especially when you don't know what's next. Why wait? But I want to pray for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If that's you this morning, if you're in, in person here in Scottsdale, maybe you're online. You're watching us online, and you just bow your head with us as well. We have a button you can click where you can um, raise your hand to say yes, but I really encourage you to request live prayer from our team this morning because that's going to be really a heart transition and a heart change right there. So I want to encourage you to do that. But I want to pray for you this morning. If you have never made that decision to say yes to Jesus, you're saying, God, I need you to guide me. You're saying, you're not even saying, God, I need you to guide me. just like, I need guidance. I need wisdom. I need clarity. Let me tell you, it comes through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit today, no other source, nothing else is eternal, nothing else will secure secure your eternity. Now is your moment and now is your day to walk in the security of a relationship with Jesus Christ and the hope and freedom that comes from Him, releasing all shame today. So I want to invite you. Maybe you've, you've said that before, but you have a form of religion, but not its power. And you're saying, today I choose to f- follow you as well. For the first time or again, if that's you, I want you to just either click the button or just raise your hand today. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for those who have made that decision. That is the greatest decision that we can make. I thank you right now. I thank you for every life we say together that we commit our hearts to you. Jesus, you take away all sin and shame. We need you, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior of our life. We commit our life to you, and I thank you that right now that your Holy Spirit rests upon every believer and goes with them and walks with them that they never, ever will have a moment alone because of the Holy Spirit, we thank you today. In Jesus' name. Second thing, I'm going to pray for you before uh, before our band leads. They're going to sing call, a song called Anointing. I want to pray this, is if you're in this church and you're saying, God, I need direction today. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me today. I need direction. If that's you, every head bowed, every uh, eye closed, I just want to invite you to just lift your hands up to the Lord. You're saying, God, I need direction today in my relationships, my job, my future, uh, I don't know, whatever's going on in your life. You're saying, God, I need you to speak to me. I, maybe it's, God, I need you to speak peace into my heart. I'm feeling restless and anxious, but God, I just, I need you to speak, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, whose anointing abides within me, I I need you to speak today, if that's you, just lift your hands up, just as a surrender to God, I want to pray, wherever you are, if you're in your home, just lift your hands up this morning, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship together, and I encourage you to press in, not shut down, step into what God wants to do, Holy Spirit, who abides in us today, I pray that you would speak today. I pray where there is unclarity, where there is fog, I pray you would speak truth and clarity into situations. I pray where there is uncertainty, that you would speak certainty. I pray where there is confusion and anger and bitterness and frustration at situations. God, I pray that you would bring life and solutions and joy and freedom. Holy Spirit, as we say, God, lead us, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray you would lead us into your word, God, that you would lead us into Scripture, that we would abide in the word of God. that we would open its richness and see the deep love of Jesus Christ for us, God. I pray that we would leave not as people thankful for someone else's anointing, but as people who are resting and residing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every person, I thank you that every believer in this place is anointed. And I pray they would walk in the authority of the anointing today. I pray that they would walk in the power of the anointing. I pray they would walk in the freedom of of the anointing. I pray they would walk in the peace of the anointing. I pray they would walk in the joy of the anointing. Today. We don't and as they leave, leave services, they would we so desire fill, the fullness of the anointing that you've already given. So God, fill Spirit. us up, so pour us out. out, fill us up. Pour us out today. Speak to us today. I pray right now for every hand that is seeking for you to speak. I pray this morning, God, that you would speak either through the worship or through revelation, meaning um, speak to their hearts through words of wisdom, through the gifts of the Spirit, through discerning of spirits, which is a gift of the Spirit. Speak through prophecy, speak through tongues, speak through the Word of God, through Scripture this morning. But we ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people today? We ask you in Jesus' holy name, amen. Let's worship together this morning.